0: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Francesco Pavone and I'm your host. And today me and you are going to talk about myth. We're going to talk about 10 fitness and nutrition myths that people still believe are true, but are wrong. Okay, so some of them are that there is a best diet for weight loss. Some of them are that you need to stretch a tight muscle in order to loosen up. And before we get into it, I will recommend that you listen to the whole episode. I know it's long; it's probably an hour. But if you don't have the time, I recommend that you split it in two or that you listen at a slightly faster speed. I know that is able to. You should be able to do it on Spotify. But before we get into it, um, let's start with today's quote. This is a quote from our good and wise Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius. Um, was um, a stoic and it uh, was uh, a Roman emperor. So uh, totally somef- someone we can learn something from. And uh, he, the quote is, uh, is this one. Today I escaped anxiety. Oh, no, I discarded it because it was within me. In my own perception and this is so true i always and you probably heard me already talking about the importance of controlling what you can control and let go what you can't control okay so if something if your body weight is not going down because you and you're trying to lose weight that is something that is outside your zone of control so you should let go but if you are seated at the table and you can't cook you can still decide uh, how much to eat of what you've been given. So that's just uh, um, uh, should serve as an inspiration for you to make sure that you observe in your life uh, in terms of your emotion, your thoughts, uh, and your actual uh, challenges that you have to face. Uh, Think about how much influence do I have over this thing? Um, Can I control it? Sometimes you can say my control so you can influence things. For example, you can't influence uh, so much your motivation to train tomorrow morning but you can do something to make it easier so you can open up the mat leave some weights on the floor leave an elastic band on the floor leave some water on the table already in a glass or in a bottle um, prepare the room so that it's nice and clean and when you wake up you enter the room you see the mat and you already feel compelled to Take off your cho- your shoes and jump on it and start warming up. Okay, so yeah, I hope that uh, that is an inspiration for you to to start uh, seeing things slightly different. Or, or perhaps, if you agree, send me a message on Instagram. I love uh, I love to hear that from you. Um, and hey, also like last week uh, best uh, post. Uh, so the, the last week best uh, Instagram post on our uh, um, community was uh, uh, where I shared. Uh, um, the day when I did 100 times 100 meter swimming. So that's a typical workout that we do every year. Well, we used to do it. I'm not a swimmer anymore and I would probably not do it even if you pay me. So you would have to pay me well to do it because it was a long and excruciating workout. I have to say, it was so unusual, and it was so cool that we would do it just once a year, so, and every swimmer was kind of afraid of it, so there was a general sense of sharing this uh, this vibe, this feeling um, of, a, yeah, of a slight fear, it was like a, a funny fear, like a funny fear, and since everyone was a kind of scared it was kind of good to do it so it was fun it was a team effort um although this particular time i did it alone my coach prepared it nicely for me it was uh, the last uh, training of my swimming career and his my coach like divided them in like 10 t- 10 uh, times 100 meters for example warm up 10 uh, freestyle with a fin 10 half butterfly, half freestyle, 10 mixed, so with all the four different strokes, 10, like one butterfly, one breaststroke, one backstroke and one freestyle um, with the progression. And it was like an amazing, it was fun. It was memorable. So I just shared a little bit of that day. And if you're interested, go and check it out at Pavone Fitness on Instagram, where I'm the most active at the moment. And uh, yeah, long further ado, let's enjoy the episode. All right, let's jump straight into it. Number one, stretching loose a tight muscle. Hey, I'm sure you've heard that when you are tight in a particular body part, you should stretch the muscle around it. So to increase, to loosen up those muscle and to increase the mobility in that joint and reduce the risk of injury. Unfortunately, most of these claims are not true, and the truth instead lies in the middle between the people who says that stretching is fundamental and you should never start a workout without stretching, or you should never finish a workout without stretching, and the people who instead say that stretching is absolutely BS, you don't need it, you just need like full range of motion exercises and to really like uh, challenge uh, your mobility. And uh, as I said, the truth lies in the middle. Uh, I have a little backstory for this, because as a swimmer, you know, swimmer's uh, shoulder is actually like uh, a condition. It's a subacromial impingement. Uh, It's very common between uh, swimmers. uh, And that's why like most swimmers, uh, the most diligent one, they make sure that they activate and strengthen the rotator cuff before their actual practice, swimming practice. But the idea that uh, when you stretch a muscle, you reduce reduce the risk of injury is actually not uh, supported by science. On the other side, there are many people who say absolutely don't stretch before your workouts because uh, your uh, strength will reduce, like you will lower uh, your performance output. Also, like that is not uh, like uh, so automatic. It depends by the modalities of stretching. You have static stretching, dynamic stretching. You can do passive or like assisted stretching um, with the support of a trainer. You can do long hold stretching, very painful, and uh, you can do just uh, a 10 to 15 second hold. So particularly if your uh, workout uh, include like a strength uh, one rep max test uh, or let's say that you are um, um you know warming up for a marathon or um, you are just like warming preparing for a big performance don't stretch with stretches like of 60 second plus okay so in particular like don't stretch 10 minutes before the performance but make sure to leave more time okay so in the research that i was uh, quoting uh, basically the uh, strength reduce uh, following a stretching uh, set or uh, practice, uh, only when the stretches are held for more than sixty seconds and they are like close like they are done ten minutes before, uh, test okay so we don't need that we don't need to worry about like losing strength when we stretch a muscle and also I want you to consider that uh, most people they sit at the desk uh, during their day when when they don't exercise and uh, so the, if you think about it like some of their joints uh, are never moved like think about the shoulder joints so for example in your day-to-day life uh, uh, in terms of mobility maybe you have to reach over your head to grab a pot or you know to to grab some food or to just raise your kids overhead okay in that case then you would challenge your shoulder mobility okay so you would bring the shoulder joint shoulder joint throughout a long range of motion at some point you might struggle to reach further because your mobility is limiting you okay so mobility mobility is in this case affected sure but the flexibility of your muscle so Yes, stretching uh, your lats, stretching your chest, uh, um, stretching your serratus anterior, like all this muscle, for sure, it can help. Will uh, like also strengthening the rotator cuff help and the trapezius, medius and uh, inferior help in this moment? Absolutely. So you can see that uh, stretching a muscle, um, you know, it's one thing and uh, the mobility that comes uh, um, with that movement is also another thing. So mobility is a broader concept. It engages, well, your brain, your central nervous system. Sure, the flexibility of your muscle, but also your coordination, how you are able to relax relaxing certain muscle and activate the right muscle as you do a certain movement. So mobility is more of a free movement concept and their ability to move around with all our joints and without limitation. So that's the key if you have a limitation in one of one exercise or, you know, you feel pain, probably it has to do with some muscles that are tight, but also on the other side, that there are probably other muscles that are overactive. Okay. So they need to be, um relaxed or just that they need to fire less and some other muscles that are underactive so you need to understand how to engage them more okay so in this case out of personal experience Number one, you should always warm up and your warm up should include free movement that is very specific to the training that you are going to do after. So in the context of a swimmer, um, you know, increasing the shoulder flexibility might actually be an advantage for other athletes because you just can, um, you know, your arms can move across a broader range of motion. So very likely that's going to be a good thing if your joints don't hurt from the mobility practice because bigger range of motion allow you to actually do um you know longer strokes so you might uh, even end up the same competition the same race uh, with fewer overall strokes uh, and every strokes uh, burn calories and energy and stamina so if you can do less strokes or fewer strokes uh, than before then it would be great for your performance okay so what uh, am I saying okay we have to look at the modalities uh, that are optimal uh, to increase uh, the range of motion and we know that stretching per se not necessarily improve the range of motion. If then you don't practice that movement in the context of a free movement. Okay. So yeah, make sure that you um, introduce as well, corrective exercises. So I have um, uh, the experience of uh, having worked with many people who other coaches would refer to as general population, but I like to um, because they are my warriors, right? They are uh, you know the superstars of our community so i don't like to call them like that and uh, i would just say that there are people who are not competitive athletes okay so those people they can definitely benefit from um, saying that uh, you are doing a lower day so you are training your legs okay and you are doing a very heavy squat and uh, your mobility is fine it's just like your shoulder it feels like uh, it's just like not so comfortable. Why? Because you put the bar on your back and you have to reach behind your body in order to hold the bar, okay? And that position is stretching your chest and somehow is creating pain, okay? So between the set of squats, you have actually two minutes free to invest into some corrective exercise for your shoulder. So it could be something like a you know, overhead um, reach And then, or like some shoulder rotation or some rotator cuff strengthening, all those things are beneficial for your shoulder pain and they are not stretching any muscle, but they are challenging your shoulder mobility. Okay, so that's it about stretching. Make sure that you don't stretch right for longer, stretch right before a workout and make sure that you include some sort of free movement in your life regardless of your goal. So that's uh, myth number one. Um, For what records, uh, uh, myth number two. So it's uh, only a deadlift if uh, the bar is on the floor. Again, there are people who believe that deadlift is only the traditional deadlift. But keep in mind that the bar has been created uh, like in nature, you won't find uh, an even bar like this uh, that uh, allow you to optimally train your strength. Because actually the deadlift, uh, we can argue that is possibly for strength. Uh, and if you're short of time, one of the best exercises that you can do. Why? Uh, within the squat, because they are challenging many joints uh, and allow you to, chan- to work uh, on your strength, on your overall output. You challenge uh, the highest number of uh, motor units uh, straight after uh, snatch and clean and jerk. So it's it's amazing. It's a great exercise. Um, it, it's interesting because that make it like a less of a great exercise if your goal is muscle building, because for muscle building, actually we're looking at the range of motion and it's very important to stretch certain muscle. And when we do a traditional deadlift, we're not necessarily like stretching a lot to the muscle, like that's the key. The bar and the plates have been created at a specific height of twenty two point two centimeter. Why? Because the barbell have been created for weightlifting. And weightlifting was a sport where people would challenge you know, their strength to, and, and the one who would lift the heavier load would win, right? Still still, it is like that in powerlifting, weightlifting, Olympic lifting. But in terms of like the bar height, it has been designed this way so that when the bar, eventually the athlete would fall and the bar would fall over him, there would be enough space for his skull not to be crushed. Okay, so, hey, you know, traditional deadlift is just an exercise that the human race created. And, um, you know, we need to think creatively when we think about uh, the underlying principles that we are are trying to, you know, apply. So we have to always think about your goal. If your goal is to to get stronger on the traditional deadlift, uh, do it. But don't think that uh, to get stronger, to add muscle, to get healthier, to have... um, Um, more longevity for example and more uh, functionality so that you don't have pain and you can have a better quality of your life well we have to think about the underlying principle and the underlying principle here is uh, that we need to have an exercise that is specific for your goal so The deadlift itself is just one of the main human movement, and we don't call it deadlift, we call it hip hinge, because it involves mainly a hip flexion and a hip extension. Now, I want you to think like, uh, imagine like uh, you are bending over to pick up something moderately heavy, but it could be even light, um, off the floor you have three options to kind of bend over and and take it. You can squat down by bending your knees, ankle, and hips. So you bend your knees more, um, kind of what you do when you sit on a low toilet. Um, And um, you can lunge, so you can have one step forward, bend your knees and come down. Um, That could be more or less knee or hip dominant. And then you can just have a hip hinge. So imagine you keep your knees slightly soft, and then you push your hips back and you bend over with your shoulders, so shoulders are over your hands, and um, yeah, you are mainly bending over at the hips, okay, so that is a great exercise, because if you think about it, think about uh, the American football player just, uh, like, waiting for the game to start, or, like, think about a goalkeeper in football, like, ready to um jump and, and catch the ball like that foot, that's a very powerful position and that's exactly a hip hinge so you can have your elbows resting on your thigh and you're leaning forward and you're in that position where you can easily use your posterior chain posterior chain is just a, I, I see it as all the muscles that are behind our body um but they include as well like the sole of our foot so it's um um, you know, all the muscle that are sitting behind our body. And in nature, they allow us to propel ourselves forward, okay? So, you know, there are many great variations of the deadlift uh, because also for the deadlift, you need a particular uh, mobility in order uh, to do it properly without hurting your body uh, hurting like your lower back uh, or, um, you know, your neck, for example. They're very common to to suffer from a not so great technique in the deadlift but you still want to train your posterior chain well if you're a complete novice and you have a very like um, concern very big concern that you're going to get hurt if you do a deadlift i would have you doing some sort of hip thrust or glute bridge you can do this with a single leg actually it's a funny story as a personal trainer um, I used to use the single leg hip thrust with all my novice clients. Uh, that was just a great way to teach them how to feel their glutes, and it's one of those exercises where it's kind of impossible to not feel your glutes uh, as you do it. So you know, clients would hate me and love this, and love me for this because during the session it was actually. Burning, so they would feel their glutes burning, but in a setup of entire safety. And uh, so that you know, unless like there is a specific performance goal, like, okay, I want to learn how to snatch, for example, but I'm always um, a fan of having a stimulus, so a proper stimulus where you have a strong and healthy setup, you know what you're doing, there is not so much risk of injury, so we keep the risk of injury as low as possible. And you can engage, like, you can enjoy that set more because uh, you're not afraid. You're not afraid to get hurt, okay? So take, for example, the differences between a hack squat and a barbell back squat, okay? So from a stimulus perspective, you would do actually better in a hack, doing a hack squat. Um, I'm not saying that the back squat has never its place. I love back squat. As I said, it's a great exercise. But I would also consider, like, not becoming a back squat evangelist, uh, Gosh, I like this term, isn't it? And uh, going back to the deadlift, like uh, if someone instead had a good hip hinge, and uh, you know, I would actually run uh, a initial uh, visual assessment, uh, which I never called assessment because I never wanted my new client to felt judged or examined at their first session with a trainer. So I would just uh, introduce it this way: Hey. Okay, we're just going to have a look at how you move. There is no right or wrong. This is just to, for me to understand where you're at so that I can successfully and better select the exercise in your training program. So I would just give them a quick demonstration of a few selected exercises and just a hip hinge was one of them. OK, then I would look at their hip bridge and some people, they have a very good hip hinge and a very good uh, hip bridge. So, hey, I would still include some hip bridge in uh, their uh, training. I think hip bridge and hip thrust are great exercises, uh, both leg or single leg And, uh, you know, some people, they're ready to do a deadlift, but not a traditional deadlift. So I would usually start actually from either a a dumbbell staggered stance deadlift or simply a Romanian deadlift with a dumbbell or with a barbell. And that's usually an exercise that most people can do, even um, at their first session, because you can adjust the range of motion based on your current uh, hamstring flexibility and overall mobility. Okay, so that's it for uh, point number two. And let's move on. So number three, you shouldn't train when you're sore or injured. Well, this is, again, it's a big myth because, um, you know, many people, uh, they don't understand that to uh, create an adaptation in our body. So say that you are trying to, uh, you know, lose 10 kilos of fat, but you don't want to get skinny. You also want to retain your fat-free mass, which we can argue for health, it's super important and and smart, a smart thing to do. Um, so you um, are currently, like, training with the goal of losing as much fat as possible and retaining as much muscle as possible. So clearly, like, the things that would help you with the, um, the fat loss is the calorie deficit. And uh, so it's an overall, uh, like, uh, calorie deficit between the calories that you eat and the calorie calories uh, that uh, you need uh, for uh, um uh, yeah so the calories that you eat and the calories that you burn through activity through non activity and uh, digesting food um so yeah in in that regards uh, fat loss uh, comes from the deficit and uh, the retaining more muscle it comes from hard training recovering well and your protein intake okay so the, these are the three things that will impact uh, your ability to retain more fat-free mass, um, yeah, during your next uh, um, diet, your next uh, uh, journey, so your next chapter. Okay, so when it comes to training, most people say, oh, yeah, but I'm not training hard because, uh, you know, I'm just focused on fat loss. I'm just focusing on fat loss. And my argument is, okay, if you spend, even if it's two sessions a week at the gym, so you spend two hours a week at the gym, why not optimizing those two hours? Why do we doing something that is suboptimal where, uh, you know, with the same effort and time, you could uh, speed up your results and have uh, better quality results. So in that case, like those people, uh, they are forgetting that uh, the muscle retention comes from cell deformation. So it's the same principle that uh, allow you to get bigger muscles. Um, it's the same principle. You're trying to get more toned muscle. You're trying to lose weight and have more, and retain muscle. You're trying to increase your muscle mass. Well, your muscle grows because of muscle and cell deformation so that is actually when i thought about it uh, in my training this would actually help this is probably the reason why bodyweight training uh, for some people is more effective than weight training because there is no way out from a pull up if you want to pull yourself up you need to fire up your central nervous system you need to pump yourself well and you need to if you're not done you're still not strong enough to pull yourself up You need to build it. So you just have like an exercise as a reference and you want to do it. And so you are training hard to do the exercise. That's a challenge that at the beginning, um, it's not so clear in weight training. So for example, if you go first day at the gym, the reality is maybe like you can do, uh, let's take an exercise like a dumbbell press. Uh, Perhaps you can do already 14 kilos on each side. But you don't know yet because you have the expectation that, you know, you need to build it up. And it's true. You need to build it up. But some, what I'm saying is some people, they never understand or they take multiple weeks before they actually use that weight that is, uh, um, you know, heavy enough for them. Okay. So don't be afraid to go heavy, um, you know, and uh, in terms of like uh, injured or like uh, you are uh, sore. So you train in a, your upper body or your lower body. And the day after, you're sore in that muscle. Well, if you don't train, um, the chances are that your recovery will take longer and some form of lighter training. That's why we need to have a perspective. We need to have a multiphasic approach. And we also need a tool in our toolbox to change something if we are so sore that we can't move. So I wouldn't attempt training when you're so sore that you can't do the stars. I wouldn't attempt training when you're so sore that uh, you have to lower the weight dramatically and that becomes kind of a warm-up session, okay? So that, that's for the long-term. You don't want to be so sore anytime. time, um, like on a scale of one to 10, you never want to be like nine, 10, okay? You always want to be like maximum seven, or I would say maximum eight, okay? I, I imagine like people that come from a break, uh, people that usually you know haven't trained for a while, they co- go back training, they go very heavy, and uh, p- perhaps they try to continue their previous program that's also like uh, uh, f- fair to assume then uh, you know in those cases you might be a little bit more sore so that's okay but on the long term if you're not so if you're so sore that you can only train that muscle in one time a week well you're limiting your uh, your ability to progress you could do more so i would just either uh take uh, the set uh, um not so hard so you would leave a couple of repetition in reserve at each set that's a um you know that are very good reason to think about it uh, your fatigue increases potentially when you go to failure and um yeah so in uh, in, in that regards uh, you don uh, you actually can uh, lower the volume you can lower the intensity you want to lower the stimulus on that session so you can train that muscle two times in the week Because the research shows that uh, training a muscle multiple times a week, two to three on average, uh, works better than one session a week. Okay, so when we are so sore, um, you know, as I said, it can be because uh, we are coming from a little uh, period where we are detrained. So we we actually need to go through that day of, uh, you know, building back up, taking a lighter load, doing slightly less, just accommodate the fact that we didn't train for a while. Okay, say... That you instead have been very consistent with your training so you're training every week and at some point one day you try for some reason you unlock a new range of motion for example i still remember the first day that i went really deep in a squat oh my man my adductors were fried so really the inner thigh the following day for multiple days um I couldn't walk. I I couldn't train for sure. I couldn't even imagine training again. So I just left it for that week, and I waited until I recovered because uh, um, you know it was so painful that I couldn't move. I couldn't train as heavy, um, although I, I like I could walk. I said earlier I couldn't walk. That's a matter. It's like I, I was so sore. All right. That happened like to to last for a week. Now at the time I was working at the gym, so. Um that was a very active job. And I took the chance as soon as I could to move my adapter. Okay. To ge- ge- some gentle movement. Okay. That could be a warm-up routine or some sort of uh, um, very light uh, impact movement, uh, but free movement. So I would uh, move my hips throughout the full range of motion, uh, feeling a little bit of discomfort, but never like excru- excruciating pain. Um, same goes for injuries. So um, I had uh, for um, um, you know many years uh, elbow discomfort, and uh, that was actually a good thing because uh, I would just hammer my uh, my bicep with a lot of barbell curls uh, and straight barbell curls. I would do them a lot, uh, and underhand grip pull-ups. Uh, so I would go and go and go, and then my elbows were like suffering a little bit, but my bicep were not growing as much. So these are two things. Uh, they are red flags. Hey, the target muscle is not uh, so sore. But the joint involving the movement that you use to challenge that muscle are okay so you are doing something wrong or you are training for too long or you're trained too hard so with too too much weight and for too many reps or you're doing too much volume or perhaps your exercise selection could be improved so very simple lesson as soon as the lockdown started and i started doing more um, uh corrective exercises for my elbows uh, because there is much more impact on the wrist and the elbows and the shoulder when when you train with gymnastic rings and i discovered that my uh actually the muscle around the the joint uh, so my elbow my forearm um and the brachioradialis in particular i never trained in the first uh, three years of my training um in in the fitness uh, industry i never did any sort of hammer curl. And, um, you know, when you do a lot of pull-ups, uh, you train for sure your uh, brachioradialis more, uh, um, you know, that, than I would do at the time. So for me, that was a big lesson. By strengthening the forearm, uh, I actually get rid of the pain. Even now that I go back, went back to the gym and I train with the, um, resistance training, so with dumbbells and machines and bodyweight too, my elbow is just uh, more functional. It's not uh, painful. But would have I understood this if I stopped training? No so that that's why like if you're sore keep going to the gym like there are things you can do um you know it it happens also like uh, you might be already trained and you try a new program and you do the upper body session there are new exercises and for some reason the following day you are supposed to do another upper body session but you're so sore that you can't even train well if you can if your schedule allowed that i would take a day off and go back the following day would be already good and take the day off to practice some free movement on the area, just like, for example, if your chest is so sore, you can just, uh, um, rotate your arms during the day. um, and, uh, you know, do some gentle stretching, but totally like absolute rest is never the key. I can guarantee you that uh, as a professional swimmer, um, I used to, um, you know, be very sore and tired uh, and we would not skip a session. We would go through the session with the tiredness. Um, and and they were like, you know, a longer term program. So, you know, th- th- that's, uh, that's the life of a professional athlete. So that's uh, number three. Point number four. So, um, there is the best diet for weight loss. There is no best diet for weight loss. And uh, if you haven't listened to it, go and listen to the, the last episode. Um, there, there are like, yeah, diets are dead. Um, and just, uh, I just listened to that episode again and I forgot to mention that the average person in his life try on average 126 diets, fad diets. Okay. I didn't even know that there are like 126 different diets. Um, But yeah, there are diets like the South Beach, the carnivore diet. Uh, uh, There are some crazy people out there that I don't know how they do, but they eat raw organs. Uh, Like it's, it's, uh, it's crazy, but okay, there are those diets are out there. And I don't want you to be to think that there is one best approach for weight loss. There is no magic diet. There is no best diet. And just about every diet that works. Also, like, keep in mind this. So I speak with many people who lost weight with the low carb diet. But my question for you is this. How is your weight today compared to the end of the diet? Did you gain weight? And was it planned? Was it intentional? Was it something that you wanted to? What did you want to gain eight kilos in the last year? Okay. If not, that approach didn't work for you. Because uh, one thing that I always try to, to to teach you and to preach is that uh, if an approach, a nutritional approach, work for you for a short limited, uh, limited time but doesn't work for you like after the diet is finished, then the whole approach doesn't work for you because failed at teaching you the principle by by which it worked, okay? So all those diets, they work because they apply calorie restriction. So they create an overall calorie deficit. Um, There are, uh, mm, yeah, they, they basically give you rules. So kind of restrain, a constraint and constraint is just like a, an inability to act in some ways it could be like a constraint of time see intermittent fasting where you don't eat at a certain time it could be like that they exclude a the whole food category um and uh, you know these these are, are all things like for example there is a, a very famous nutritionist he's called lemme in uh, italia <laughs> in italy and uh, the, he recommend like for example he uh market his diet by saying uh, you know eat whatever you want but uh, you will lose a lot of weight so i went into the details because that's a pretty big claim for a diet uh, and a famous uh, diet uh, like his so the eating as you as much as you want is uh, as follow like you can eat as much as you want as much pasta as you want but only without salt and at 6 a.m in the morning so Imagine the average person eating a bowl of pasta at six in the morning, already difficult to wake up to cook the pasta for that time. And, uh, you know, how much do you think, how much pasta do you think that person will end up eating? Very little, right? Or same for like the salmon trout for um, dinner. He would recommend, okay, you can eat as much as you want, but like, would you go to the fish shop and buy like eight fish, and eat them all together? No, like the average person would actually eat one or two. And so like the the positive of this approach is that uh, it creates a calorie deficit without you trying. So you're not actually focusing on like eliminating food, which uh, has been shown, like it doesn't work. If as soon as you eliminate a food from your diet, uh, you automatically focus on that food. You want to eat more of that. Um, So yeah, mm, they kind of give you a sort of constraint they promote eating fewer processed food. This is not like the fat diets, okay? We're talking about like every diet that is out there, um, you know, they they promote uh, eating more whole and minimally processed food and less uh, processed food, okay? Because that uh, food is just like not uh, um, optimal to lose fat. It's not... uh, that is not impossible because we know that uh, it's important to just create the calorie deficit. Okay, but that would be far from optimal. Uh, that's why you see many people getting great shape by eating like at McDonald's every day. Yeah, they want to, they know that the calorie deficit is what they need to achieve. So they probably make sure that they are in a deficit even if they go two times uh, a day um, at uh, McDonald's. Okay. So yeah, um, they would promote like eating less processed food, and then they would promote some sort of uh, movement. So along with the, with your uh, nutritional approach, uh, they would promote, you know, do some sort of training or your daily steps. And these are the things uh, that actually work. So if you can do them consistently enough, you will see some fat loss, okay? So you don't need a specific diet, like that's irrelevant. That's uh, not something to focus on, okay? All right, so let's move on. That's uh, point four. Point five, exercise is bad for your immune system. I don't know um, who came up with this. I was actually very surprised. But hey, many people, uh, you know, during the pandemic in 2020, um, you know, it came back uh, that it it came up that uh, the people who, and, and this probably has to do with the fact that your immune system response takes a while after you train. So you train and your immune system during training is actually lowered, uh, because training is a stress itself, like every other stress. It's a positive stress if you have the right expectation. Um, and in general, like, it's a positive stress because after we have a cascade of events that are um, very positive, like you have hormones release, uh, and you have adrenaline, or adrenaline, so you have better focus, better cognitive performance, uh, you have better mood, better emotion, better thoughts. So, yeah, all those things are great, but they are, uh, you know... Um, yeah, it's, it's clearly like being disproven that uh, exercise uh, is bad for your immune system. And yet, like many people would make fun uh, of, uh, you know, elite athletes uh, infected with COVID-19, which probably had nothing to do with their immune system, um, but probably because uh, of how contagious the virus was. Okay, so immune system uh, or not, is it, COVID was a clear... Uh, um, a clear case that uh, the COVID would hit as well the healthy people. Okay, so um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty big uh, and uh, um, pretty big claim and myth. So yeah, hopefully it was busted. And uh, yeah, point uh, number six, so myth number six uh, is eat a lot less and move a lot more to lose weight. Okay, so this is not always true. So like steer away from example. From the people who tell you, oh my God, like you're eating too much or like you're moving too little, like eating fewer calories and moving, burning more calories throughout movement consistently for at least uh, take 12 weeks. 12 weeks is a very good period of time. That's why our uh, uh, entry option for the Thai t shirt transformation, our coaching program is three months and then we offer a six months and a 12 months. But three months uh, allow you to see some good progress it's enough to build muscle it's enough to lose uh, up to 12 kilos of fat so you can depending on how much fat you have uh, to start with but those two things are very difficult okay so very few people in my experience can execute them well right away so you have uh, the uh, some sort of planning required to put in place a strategy for eating fewer calories and you know more whole and minimally processed food And you need some sort of planning and uh, strategy in order to exercise consistently. Everyone starts at a different place. So some people are more experienced, some people are less experienced. So some people have more experience with training, but not with nutrition, some other vice versa. And that's why, you know, having like an online uh, um, body transformation program, it's going to be suboptimal anyway, because... um, um, when you do it online and you don't have any direct correlation, any direct relationship with a coach, with a person, with a real human, guys, like I was uh, laughing because, uh, you know, the uh, artificial intelligence is going to be better and better and better in the future. But trust me, and you can write these words uh, like in the years to come, we are talking about in the next 50 years uh, Um, people will always gather in small communities, and people will always want some guidance, people will always want to learn from a real human, because uh, um, not only is it important to gather the knowledges, but it's also important to gather the experience, right? To share the experience with other people. Uh, we need that, we need that as human. Um, so yeah, those things would be very difficult. And um, so that's why in our consultation, we would uh, recommend that you start from one. And usually it's, uh, uh, from my experience, it's kind of uh, an easy to, to understand. Um, but you kind of have a feeling, would you be better able to control your food or would you be better able to be consistent with your workouts? Pick up one and uh, stick to it, okay? As soon as you can be consistent, and consistency doesn't come from like, hmm, let me think, have I been consistent? No, or yes. No, you need objective data. You need something to that is quantifiable. So your daily steps, have they actually increased? How many workouts have you done in the last 12 weeks? Um, how did your strength change in the last 12 weeks? so all these things uh, how did the visual change uh, after you start training how did your body weight change how did your energy change how did your sleep change how um, did your uh, sleep quality change so don't think that you need to change everything in order to make progress uh, even something so uh, for many people insignificant uh, like uh, doing three thousand steps a day more on average can have a dramatic uh, positive impact on your body composition and your health so yeah like those uh, they they don't necessarily help you they don't um yeah just uh, as a reiterate like you know the purpose that we are trying to achieve like the goal is to create a calorie deficit to lose weight that's the only prerequisite it's super important and the second thing is that uh, um by we can create the deficit by moving more and eating fewer calories okay so you can do a little bit of both but make sure that you don't go extreme in both because it's gonna be super stressful and uh, regardless uh, um, uh, of the fact that you might be consistent with it for like a couple of weeks it like that most people fail with it so i strongly advised uh, against that all right so let's move on point number seven it's cardio burns more fat than lifting weights so this is true for if we look at um, the calories burned in the hour so let's say that you do an hour of high intensity cardio and an hour of lifting weights so um, you would burn more calories with the cardio and again That's uh, probably like uh, in the range of 700 calories. So yeah, if uh, we take like two people exercising three times a week, and uh, one is a runner, and one is a bodybuilder. um, First of all, I ask you, like, in your opinion, even if you go quite high in their sports, which one looks better? Um, clear, like if you, if you take Usain Bolt and, uh, you know, a bodybuilder, we might make the argument that uh, for some people uh, Usain Bolt looks better. But in this case, uh, Usain Bolt train uh, like a strength athlete, OK, like a sprinter. So his workouts are not like the jogging on the treadmill for an hour. OK, so if we in this case, we are... Uh, talking about cardio, so using Bolter uh, would not be the, the good example. We would need to take someone like a marathon athlete uh, and then we take a bodybuilder. And in uh, most people opinion, the bodybuilder, natural bodybuilder, not drug. Uh, uh, yeah, not uh, drug enhanced, uh, just natural. That, that's the only athlete I look at. I look at the other as, uh, you know, sculpture, as art, but not as sport. Um, oh God, I hope that you are not uh, taking a, a performance enhancing drugs. Otherwise, I lost a friend or a follower or a listener um, but yeah that's that's my idea i'm uh, you know very strictly against the, the usage of the performance enhancing drugs for competitive sports um although i look at some of them uh, you never have the certainty who is uh, taking drugs and who is not and uh, um, but hopefully you know the word, uh, um, the VADA, so the World Anti Doping Agency, would do an even better job at testing athletes. Um, but yeah, like the um, uh, cardio, so it burns more fat, but the calories burned through activity have only a little impact uh, on our overall calorie deficit. Yes, our overall energy balance uh, is determined by um, our resting metabolic rate, our non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is like the amount of calories we burn when we are not working out. So our amount of steps daily steps uh, the movement that we do hey i'm recording this podcast standing by the way this is why i'm able to sometime go even over 10,000 steps just by recording the podcast i'm uh, you know here for an hour and i'm moving around a little bit okay clearly i'm in front of the desk and with the mouth next to the microphone but i'm standing i could be seated okay so we can argue that an hour of standing is definitely burning way more calories uh, am i working out now no but this little choice can have like a tremendous uh, impact uh, on uh, your consistent, like your progress if you're trying to lose fat. Um, and uh, in particular, the amount of calories that you burn through non-exercise activity are way higher in, on average, unless you are a professional, like uh, longer endurance swimmer who spend like hours and hours and hours at the gym or in the, in the pool. But like most people, they spend, they burn way more calories aside the gym. That's why, like, yeah, there are many arguments I make uh, in terms of in favor of online coaching, because sometimes as a personal trainer, I just didn't see how my clients would live their life uh, apart from our session one to one. Now that I'm an online coach, I can see how they live their life uh, for the whole week. So we can easily um, manage their non-exercise activity, thermogenesis. But yeah, it's not so much about uh, how many calories you burn in the session. It's more about which kind of uh, uh, body system you use uh, during that session. And in particular, uh, you probably (laughs) know that in this podcast, we talk um, about uh, all the topics uh, that can help you successfully get stronger, improve your health, uh, but also, like with um, um, focus on uh, building a good physique, a good body, a body that you're proud of, uh, with a good focus on your growth, so that you consistently progress and that you don't just uh, you know do it and then forget about it, uh, because you can can keep uh, in this way uh, implementing like all the healthy practices that align with this. Uh, okay, so we talk a lot about like building muscle and uh, uh, losing fat. Uh, your growth, uh, time management, priority settings, uh, and uh, da ba da da And uh, in this case, uh, cardio would not help you because cardio, sure, if you're a novice, you go on a treadmill, Some you will see some leg growth, you will see some changes in your legs, uh, perhaps as well in your abs, uh, perhaps on your chest and on your arms, uh, but that's it. Then you don't get more because. Uh, there is no progressive overload. Like you you, don't, you, you just have one of the prerequisites for your muscle to, growth, to grow is mechanical tension. And running use just the mechanical tension of your body against the gravity and the floor. Okay, so there is your body, the gravity push your body down and you have to contract your muscle to push yourself forward. And there is a little bit of up and down movement so, you know, you have just that growth, <laughs> whether with the traditional, uh, also like cardio increase as well, your cortisol more and your level of fatigue and cardio on average is just more, unless you are, a, you love, absolutely love cardio and its modalities. It's just more difficult to be consistent with cardio because with lifting weights, we can uh, have more fun. We can have more variety and we can always avoid stagnation and keep having that growth. Um, Yeah, so we have last three points. Um, So the eighth one is no pain, no gain. Again, I'm against this because I think it doesn't fail at showing what we are trying to do when we train. Um, So as I said earlier, there is some cell deformation that needs to occur in order to see some changes in our body we need to actually give a mechanical stimulus to the body uh, and not just go through the motion i see many people going through the motion um, they lift the weight and they kind of feel it uh, but you you see them that they are not uh, um you're they're not going for uh, a maximal contraction they don't go for a powerful contraction they just kind of go through the motion so that would not be optimal but on the other side you see people that go on the opposite extreme so they take like super heavy weights and their technique is bad so they only have the focus of feeling the pain whether we know that we need some level of discomfort i made a story today and i was saying hey, our fun, our ideas of fun here in this community is slightly different, isn't it? Like I was just looking at my videos after the, the, I I always record uh, um, at least one set per exercise, then look at them after the session is finished. And and then some I saved them, some I deleted them, but I was just doing like a cable uh, lat dominant row. And I was like, Man, I'm having so much fun in this set, but it looks like I'm suffering. Yeah, that's because like internally I'm having fun, but to have that fun, I need to be a little bit uncomfortable. I need to get out of my comfort zone. Um, And yeah, our ideas of fun is slightly different, but we know that we don't need to go to failure. Failure being when we can't lift the weight anymore. That that would increase exponentially our um, recovery time needed before we can hit the same exercise or muscle again. Um, that week, so we don't need that. We don't need like excruciating pain after the workouts in order to have a good workouts and make progress. So yeah, don't uh, um, buy the idea of the uh, old fashion bodybuilders, which would tell you, you know, no pain, no gain. Um, yeah, they usually kind of uh, are hardcore, you know, athletes, and they are performance enhanced. So. We don't know. We don't know of, uh, you know, and there are many bodybuilders as well on the opposite side who instead say, and they're natural and they say, you know, no, you actually have to push and, you know, go strong. But hey, competitive bodybuilding is one thing. Maximal muscle development without competing and for your own, uh, you know, sake, for your own goal. And yeah, given your current circumstances. It might be a totally different thing. So yeah, please consider your circumstances and make sure that you don't go too hard, but also you train enough. If you have a question on that, hey, just reach out to me. Now you should know where to find me on Instagram. It's Pavoni Fitness, P-O-V-O-N-E Fitness. So yeah, number nine. Uh, older men shouldn't train hard again there is no statistical evidence that with age we should lower our perceived training intensity Um, you might have to lower the weight but this is because when you when we get older we lose uh, on average a little bit of our muscle mass so that's why it's so important Uh, and there are some there is some evidence that actually as we get older To counterbalance this muscle loss effect, we need to um, increase actually our protein intake. So yeah, when you get older, we can, and I still think like, oh my God, this is, I want to share something with you. So I always thought that um, um, one day I will have to go to the gym and pack my bag, uh, go take take the car or the bike, uh, go to the gym and think uh, like I have my playlist uh, and think, okay, this is going to be my last workout in my life man like i don't want to have regrets and i imagine like that one day i will leave the gym and i will say hi to the gym like for the last time that's it you won't go back to it so i think that in the days before that day i will train pretty hard okay and that uh, idea make me think uh, that i want to train super well not uh, all out uh, and then like i don't know stop training at all for a few years or a few months or a few weeks i want to be consistent i want to go training and have a part of my training um training is not my life it fills my life um but it doesn't take much space in my life i train for four hours well five hours a week at the moment um so yeah that's not much but i want to do it i need that feeling every day i really want it so yeah we can actually go have fun training hard and challenge our body this is the key When i will be older i won't be able to lift uh, probably as much Uh, central nervous system as well as slow down a little bit uh, um, and uh, you know just uh, the bone uh, perhaps uh, gets a little bit uh, less uh, dense um so you know overall uh, there is a reason why the best athletes are not like 60 years old our overall performance slowly declines with the years but our uh, you know even if our ability to lift uh, a certain weight decrease we can still inside our mind uh, Give the best, okay, um, within a certain range, so we can train at our best, and then we don't have to, you know, push every training set to fail or until we can't lift the weight and hurt ourselves. No, but we can train well consistently and with the brain, so with a good strategy and with the experience that we have accumulated over over the years, train hard and still like benefit from it okay so don't think that uh, okay you have two years uh, of training and then you're done okay there is no, <laughs> there is not it's not uh, like that um yeah so last but not least if you're not sore you didn't have a good workout well this this ties well in with the um um that you shouldn't train when you are injured but again if you're not sore that doesn't mean that you didn't have a good workout. So because a, d- a good workout, I'm going to tell you something. This is a little story that I learned from my experience uh, with my coach, uh, uh, current coach Alberto Nunez from the Team 3 d MJ. So Alberto prescribed uh, 12 weeks of program, um, training program. And I'm not going to go into the details, but basically the last week of this program, he had me repeating the first week of the program. So basically, if you think about it in 12 weeks, you have multiple occasions to improve, to add weight, to add load, to add reps, sorry, add sets, and just get better in your training. So by repeating the same exact workout, same exact, same reps, same load, everything, same exercise, same setup, same grip, same pieces of equipment, okay? So the same thing you would do it and you would appreciate so much the whole progress so basically that workout kind of felt easy there were good reason if we follow the fitness fatigue model we know that at some point we need an easier week to keep progressing otherwise we just regress even if we try to add weight we just lower our performance our body this is the key um our uh, if you don't take deload if you don't take a week of rest your body will take a week of rest for you and it will be unpleasant because in your mind you try to progress, but you will notice that you are weaker. You have to lower the weight. You have to, you know, stop training because maybe a joint is hurting. Your sleep is disrupted and your all week is not great. Okay, your mood, your motivation to train is low. So when you feel this sign, it's probably a good thing to deload. Um, and in that week of deload, you can have so much fun and never be sore, okay, it's an easy week, and you say, oh my god, three weeks, three months ago, I was so much weaker than now, so I feel like, uh, great, because the progress is going, the, um, uh, yeah, the program is going, and I'm, you know, now I'm able not only to see it on paper, but to feel it, okay, because you use the same weight that you used three months ago, and you feel that they are light, right, it's an amazing feeling, so again, that week, you're not sore, and um, there are many research that shows that, uh, uh, the more uh, you progress in your training, the less you sore from the less you get sore from the same workout. So, again, don't uh, think that you need to be sore, and that if you're not sore at all, you're not progressing. Although, let me open a little bracket here. I say if you train your bicep or you know your quadricep or your glutes, many people like uh, bigger glutes. I am currently trying to increase my arms because it's always been like a. a um, a a lagging body part for me they don't grow so quickly so i'm trying to you know really grow them now if i train my bicep and tomorrow i absolutely feel nothing i don't feel my bicep at all right well train your bicep again because you probably benefit from a higher frequency with the same workout you probably so with the same amount of work you did on that muscle in my case the bicep you probably can do it again right so if you have the idea that you could train bicep again and you're training bicep in your plan like once or twice a week try to spread uh, the same volume across multiple days because in that case like you'll be able to train more often but whatever the point here is uh, and, and yeah and get better stimulus but the point here is uh, that you should feel somehow that you at least train that muscle the day before okay uh, and if you don't, you probably can optimize uh, your progress, your, your, tra- your current training program, okay? But again, don't think that if you don't feel like super sore or, for example, keep in mind like, train a train uh, with a new exercise, so you meet a new trainer and you recommend like this crazy exercise, or perhaps you see a, an exercise on YouTube or uh, Instagram and you give it a try and you go heavy. And since you are new to that exercise, you get particularly sore out of it, Does that mean that that exercise is the key for progress? Absolutely not. It means that you were not used to that exercise for your body was a novelty stimulus and it had to adapt in order to overcome the the challenge that it was facing uh, because you had to try that exercise. So your body was like, all right, let's contract the muscle. Oh oh my God, this muscle fiber was not so engaged before. It was not so trained, so... By engaging it, oh, I create some micro tears in the muscle, and I feel sore out of it. Will that guarantee eternal progress? Absolutely no. Uh, they will probably uh, get used to that exercise too in the future and have to switch it again. So, yeah, that's about it. Uh, I hope uh, you enjoyed this uh, uh, 10 fitness myth. Hey, there are many more, mm, but if you enjoyed this episode, give me a shout out, uh, a shout on Instagram, and uh, let's share this episode uh, with a friend or two. Um, You know, if you follow me on Instagram at Pavone Fitness, uh, you'll find more uh, training and nutrition daily tips. Uh, I'm very active at the moment. I'm uh, sharing many reels, uh, like uh, two or three a day and one infographic at least. Plus, uh, sometimes uh, I share a little bit of my training and my daily life. So we do lives as well on uh, Fridays. So it's a a, a very healthy and open space uh, where to be. Um, if you want to elevate your fitness and health in, uh, to, to another place in, in the next level in 2022. So again, if you can uh, share this episode with a friend or two who you think would like it, uh, that'd be a massive help for uh, our community and uh, the growth uh, of this show. And uh, I really appreciate your effort. As you know, like, I'm so grateful if you, if you could do it, uh, um, and, uh, yeah. Feel free to message me because I'm always up for uh, meeting uh, my listeners and uh, my followers. So, hey, from Coach Francesco, is everything? Ciao, ciao.